We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I just thought, if I'm ever going to be a head coach, the best way for me to be the best one I can be is to just stay with this. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Hello and welcome once again to Beyond the Game. I am Kendall Gammon, 15-year NFL veteran, joined as always by my good friend, the OG of player development in the NFL, Lamont Winston. And of course, Lamont, each and every week, uh, each and every other week, maybe just kind of depends on how you and I are doing things. We talk about uh, you know players' lives off the field when the uh, the play clock continues to run, that the game clock is not, and. Now, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. Uh, we've got a great show lined up. Bobby April, special teams coach in the NFL uh, for, I believe, 20 years or 25 years if I um, added up right. But, I mean, it's just crazy that he coached with the Falcons, the Steelers, the Saints, the Rams, the Bills, the Eagles, the Raiders. Of course, that's where you went across him a little bit, the Jets and the Titans, and then had some stints in college with uh, Southern Miss, Tulane, Arizona, Southern Cal, Ohio State, and LSU. I mean, uh, just amazing. But first and foremost, uh, good to see you again, Lamont. We uh, just got back from the induction ceremonies, and uh, that was a great time. Um, how you doing? Kendall, I'm doing fantastic. You know, it's, um, you know, to, to getting down to Canton, and you get down there, and, you know, you just start seeing all the fanfare, and, and it gets your juices going, you know, about yeah. they had just previously had a, a preseason game with the Raiders. Uh, down there so that was good but you know seeing uh, uh, all you guys the players the coaches uh, to celebrate coach Vermeil, uh was was fantastic and you know it really bodes you know you you know when you guys we're all around each other it's not Kendall the player it's not Willie Rose right. it's not Trent the player you know it's it's the people it's the relationships and to watch people's families grown uh, uh, they transitioned out the game extremely well. 
Um, yeah. It made me, as a person that was kind of like behind the scenes, preparing for transition form, it made me feel good that we did some things right. Yeah, it, it, it's always amazing to me. And I was talking uh, to a friend about this. I was, I'm, I'm always amazed at how um, I get around people and, and they remember me and I don't expect them to. I mean, I remember them, but I just have this expectation that I was just a small cog in the wheel as a long snapper. And, and I was, but it's really taught me that uh, you take care of your relationships and uh, they take care of you. And of course, that's something you stress all the time. That's something we're going to talk about with Bobby as well. Uh, because, um, I mean, relationships are what life are. And, and I think to be effective, anything you do, you have to have good ones. You have to have, you have to cultivate it. I think you have to be intentional and um, understand that uh, sometimes those relationships, you have to talk about things that are hard or that, that people need to deal with. And, you know, that's what you did for so very long and still do. I mean, in fact, I, tell people a little bit about you, you, what you do quickly and what website they would go to. Well, you know, they they can they can go to uh, the WinstonGroup.biz to learn a little bit okay. more about me and what we do with the Winston Group, um, which which is really you know kind of a, 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 a an offspring of, of my career working with players, coaches, and their families, and people in football operations. But uh, you know, Kendall, that's a good spot to find me. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, obviously on Twitter. But you know, again, it's it's you know looking at Coach April, you know, twenty plus years. And when you're a special teams coach, I mean, that, and we'll get into this, but that's a unique coach because that's yeah. the only coach that touches every freaking player on the team, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, the, the other unique thing about it is he doesn't have, he and, you know, his assistant, they don't have time. They don't have a lot of time. And so what happens is he gets a chance to really know players personally. Um, and, and for the couple of snaps they're going to be with him, uh, you yeah. know, Everybody trusts the special teams coach, you know. Uh, and so again, you know, it's a twenty-plus year. You're not, you're not doing, you're doing things right. You're doing something yeah. right. Twenty years, and you spoke of you being a small cog. Well, I tell you this: fifteen years, okay, you did something right as a small cog. And the cool thing about it is when you look at a cog and a, uh, I'm a cyclist. So if one of my, you know, sp sp uh, sprockets. Uh, uh, break on my on my hub for my chain, I'm yeah. done. Right. So, so little sprockets, little cogs are very important, Kendall. Yeah, it really is. And like you talked about it uh, just uh, earlier about it because I wanted to get in there. If people want to follow you, they can go to at Lamont Winston. That's L A M O N T E Winston uh, for Twitter. For me, it's at Kendall Gammon. And um, yeah, you know, it, it is. But the, I, I think that sometimes is what you were called to do in, in, in your side of the business. And of course, Bobby with the special teams. And I just try to do it in general, which is make sure people understand that they know that they matter and that they make a difference. And generally uh, try to make them understand. I think also that, you know, for us sports football, it's what we do. It's not who we are. And, and to circle back to what you talked about this weekend is we got to see who people are not, we, we know what they did. We were around them then, but uh right. Seeing that other side of people is just a, a a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, right now, you know, it's it's and 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 this is uh, this this show for our listeners. Uh, this is for this is for you to take this information and apply it to where you are in your day to day because right. it's not unique for uh, 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 for pro football players or for, you know, for pro athletes. Right. Uh, but there are some some unique parts to it. But but hopefully we try to share you know uh, uh, and our and our guests try to share some nuggets. 
that people can apply uh, in in their own lives. Yeah. Um, you know, again, you, you you know, right now in training camp, the Chiefs are up there uh, and they're doing their thing. Um, uh, we've we've talked earlier in our earlier shows. They've left everything they had going on. <laughs> it, 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 they had to leave and go. Yeah. And I'm trying to make a football team, and they're trying to do it under pressure, and they're trying to do it consistently under pressure every single day, knowing that they have things, other things in their lives that may not be as settled as they would like. Right. But at the end of the day, you can't bring that between stripes, right? Yeah. The performance part is, is not going to happen. Is that correct, Kendall? Yeah, you know, absolutely. You're correct. And yeah, that's one of the things we're going to talk about again with Bobby is those 25 years of being in those camps. And I think that's just a great segue. So, um, you know, without further ado, we're going to bring Bobby in here. Uh, he was a coach of mine uh, for six of my 15 years and uh, look forward to, uh, you know, getting some nuggets from him today. So with that, uh, let's bring Bobby on. First and foremost, uh, on behalf of Lamont and myself, really appreciate you coming on, Bobby. Oh, it's an honor to be on with you guys. I appreciate it. Enjoyed working with both of you and uh, glad to be here today with both of you. Coach April, how you doing? How you been doing these days? Good, Lamont. Good to see you again, partner. Absolutely. Coach April and I spent two years at Oakland, uh, at, you know, changing that culture, right? We, we were... We, we were revamping that 50-year culture into bringing it into today's National Football League. So, Bobby, talk to me. You, uh, I, was I correct? Was it 25 years from the NFL side of things? Yeah, 25 seasons. Yeah, I took one season. I took, uh, I guess you would call it a sabbatical. I took uh -huh. a year off because uh, my daughter was changing schools. Uh, during her senior year, if I would have taken a job, and I didn't really want that to happen, That's so I awesome, sat man. out a year. Uh, and Very it cool. worked out great. It worked out great. It worked out great for my daughter too. Well, cool. So, um, I want to start off with this. Uh, the one thing that I was always impressed with with you, first time I met you, and it was in meetings, was the fact that how much attention you paid. I know this is a little thing, but how much attention you paid to the names of the guys that you were coaching. But not only that, I mean, you knew their high school mascot. You knew, their, of course, their college mascot. And I, I I, would look at the guys and I would see it was unfortunately something they weren't completely used to in terms of, you know, the, the, you know of course, everybody knows the stars, but some of the guys that are a little bit lower on the, the totem pole, it sometimes is, hey, big guy or champ or what's up, buddy. Uh, yet you took the time uh, to personally connect with people. Can you talk about that? Well, uh, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I haven't given any thought into why I did that because it doesn't usually come up in my mind. But I, I think the background of that would probably be uh, my love for my community where I grew up and my connection with it and that I always uh, – you know, felt like I was representing the people who helped me get to where I was at because I was very fortunate in my career, my the timing and so many other things. I mean, I could think of, uh, you know, a ton of people as I grew up in my generation of high school prep ball in New Orleans that uh, would have been fantastic coaches and could have been in my place very easily. 
And then I also had, uh, you know, 13 years of recruiting. And so I, I was, I was used to being in high schools and, mm-hmm. and knowing how important the high school experience was for that player. And you weren't that far removed from it really. Right. Uh, in some cases, maybe only four or five years from where you were from. So I think that made me, uh, I don't know, interested in where the guy grew up, you know, which school he went to. I probably had been in some of those schools. Well, not probably. I mean, there were some, a lot of players I had recruited that I ended up. Yeah. So um, anyway, you know, uh, I I would think that would be it uh, more than anything else. I don't, I don't think it was anything I I consciously planned on doing. Uh, It just happened. Right. So coach, so, so with that, you know, so, so, so why special teams? I mean, I think sometimes people don't realize the special team coaches were probably uh, a running back coach at one time or a linebacker coach or or why special teams? Why why what, what was your why why was that your your calling card through your pro career? Well, it didn't start out that way. I was uh, I was a secondary coach at USC. We had a bunch of really good players. I mean, really good players. Mark Carrier, Junior Seau, Rodney. I mean, we had just a loaded deck. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, unfortunate we didn't win a national championship for those players because they were really good. I went on to Ohio State. I was trying to get into the NFL. I had a lot of contacts. And uh, I just seemed to be uh, – something got in the way of me getting a secondary job, whatever it was, I just didn't get it, you know? And um, maybe it was lack of ability, <laughs> probably. Uh, but anyway, I, I, uh, I just missed out on them. So I had an opportunity to go with Jerry Glanville to be the tight end coach and a special teams coach. And uh, fortunately in my career, I had coached every position uh, or not every position, but both sides of the ball in high school, and in college. And so, uh, cause I started out as a tight end coach at Tulane when I, when I first started, but my main, my main area was the secondary and defense. And I just didn't, I, I, I couldn't get in. So I really didn't, I was really hoping to be a secondary coach. I had the opportunity to go to, uh, Atlanta after three years, Jerry Glanville had gotten fired and, uh, June Jones was in line to be the coach and he was going to make me the secondary coach. And, uh, and I'd given the, the Steelers, my word, I was going to go to the Steelers a few days, but they'd taken a while now and the Steelers were patient with me. They had taken a while to name June the coach and, uh, the Steelers were kind of waiting, you know, so I'd given them a deadline. And then once the deadline hit, I committed to go there. And, uh, I was hoping to be the secondary coach there one day as well and, and almost had a chance and would wanted, wanted to do that when Dom Capers left to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, Dick LeBeau moved from secondary to coordinator. And I was hoping after that one year at uh, Pittsburgh to be the secondary coach, but it didn't work out. Uh, And after that, after that, by the time I had another opportunity to actually be a secondary coach, and it was with Coach LeBeau when he got the job at Cincinnati, mm-hmm. by the time that had happened, I was I was 
pretty much under the assumption that my the best way for me to be a head coach was to stay with special teams because of it's a natural transition. You talk to the whole team. You have mm-hmm. to organize the whole team. I mean, you may have the Brickishaw Ferguson in one meeting and the very next meeting, uh, you know, you got Andre uh, Hastings, you know, yeah. you got a lineman, then you got a wide receiver. Uh, then you have a linebacker, you have a tight end. And then you had to motivate them too. So I had, I was learning how to be more of a motivator and being able to be in front of the team more, be able to deal with the team more. And I just thought if I'm ever going to be a head coach, the best way for me to be the best one I can be is to just stay with this. Um, so that's how I, 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 kind of, I kind of fell into it a little bit. And then I realized it was what I really wanted to do. And I, and I loved it. I really loved it. Well, Coach, I just want to make – I'm glad you said that. I'm, I'm glad you explained that because I really wanted to uh, – that was my little sneaky way of, of really uh, of validating what Kendall said because that's why that was the unique part of Bobby April because you, you, know, you, you had to speak to every player. You had to deal with every player. You had to motivate them in short spurts of time. You had to get a chance to, and you know, these guys, if you don't, if they don't feel you know them, they're not going to connect with you, right? And so that's where that personal, that uniqueness of Bobby April came from that Kendall was speaking about as a player, right? Guys sitting in that audience and they're hearing you and and, and everybody is respecting the special teams meeting. So um, uh, again, coach, that just, that just really reflects uh, uh, why you've been in this business for 25 years. As a lot of people came through your door, I can imagine. So uh, yeah. that's touching a lot of people in a lot of lives, uh, to say the least. So, Coach, with that, let me ask you a question. So, as a special teams coach, we're talking about unique relationships you got to have with players. Um, um, can you give us an example, maybe, of, of, of an opportunity, a time when maybe uh, 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 you know, player may have come to you, and and, and the fact that he trusted you. Uh, he was able to talk to you. There, you know, a situation where a guy, no names obviously, but a situation where a guy came to you, hey coach, I got this going okay. You know, this is what's wrong with me. Or you detected something that was wrong with one of your players. Mm-hmm. And he trusted you enough to confide in you. Well, I've had a lot of conversations uh, you know, with the players over a lot of different things. I think uh I don't know if I ever had a situation where we delved too much into things personally. Uh, mostly it was about profession. I, I'm sure my mind's escaping me some things where something was going on in a guy's life. Uh, a lot of times it was just the opposite. Uh, Lamont, where I could sense something was wrong. or I saw the guy was heading in the wrong direction. And uh, I would bring him in and see if I could keep his mm-hmm. keep his uh, career going because I, I could see it was going on a dead end path. And I uh, I think you you know you and I have talked sure. about one particular guy that sure. I thought if he continued on this path, um, you know it, it's going to be hard for him to stay in the league. 
Sure. And um, so some of those kind of things, I had, you know, some opportunities on, on some issues where I could talk to the guy as a surrogate father, because some of the guys I had, they, I'd coach their dads. I mean, I oh, wow. had long enough careers or I had coached long <clears throat> enough that I had had their, you know, I had had their uh, dads. And uh, that was kind of a unique situation. Mm. Uh, but a lot of guys came to me um, <clears throat> primarily, primarily on, you know, what they needed to do to keep, keep it going professionally. Um, uh, and I would say that was the bulk of, of, of my deal with, with guys. Can you, can you but talk I tell about, you what, Lamont, yeah. again, it was, I, I, there was, as I'm thinking now I'm reflecting, uh, uh -huh. there, but most of the time it was guy, I, guys came to me. If I could really sense that a guy was maybe doing something with marijuana or, you know, I could see he wasn't all there. You know, yeah. I could just tell. I could just tell from being around long enough. Uh, I would address some of those things with him. Very few players came to me with saying, I got a drug problem. Can you help me? Yeah. Uh, in fact, none did. But um, sometimes I could sense something was wrong, especially if I, you know, really knew the guy. And because uh, sometimes it takes a while to know him. And recently in the NFL, the roster changes so fast. Uh, you know, what you have year one, year three, you may have 60% of the guys that you yeah. coach could be not even on the team anymore. Wow. Where, you know, when I first started, these the first three years before free agency, I mean, I had the same special teams unit. I mean, we had a couple of changes, but almost the same guys seemed to say, played the same positions for three years. That's not like that anymore. Yeah, yeah that's unique. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talk talk a little bit. I'm going to tell a story. You may or may not remember it. It has to do with you and me, Bobby. But um, talk about transparent communication uh, because when you came to the Steelers and, and I was there already – uh, I've been in the league a, a, a few years, and I was considered fairly decent at what I was doing as a long snapper. At least I well, thought you were con considered. Very well, good. well, that, well. But, I know, but we're going to get to it. But but here's where we're going to get to it. Was um, you, you talked to me because I had not been asked to block after I was snapped. Snapped. I was just told to throw the ball back, and my guards were helping out. And I, you said this is something I need you to do, and I was like. Okay, well, I mean, I haven't been asked before, but I mean, you think I can do this? And your response was really helped move my career. You're like, well, I, I hope so, because that's what I need. Because if not, then I've, I've got to look at something else. And while that really kind of punched me in the mouth a little bit, it also was just like, okay, at least I know exactly where I stand and exactly what I need to do and what he expects of me. And you know, over my years, and maybe you can speak to this, but I played for a lot of coaches and was around a lot of people in general that they don't tell you exactly what's going on. They, they expect you to read their mind or they just don't even want to deal with it. And that's something I think there's may, maybe, huh, maybe not unique to you, certainly, because there's lots of communication, but you did it very, very well. And, and I think that's something to be appreciated. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I, you know, that particular deal, I do remember Okay. Uh, uh, the way you guys did the protection, particularly on the side 
you know, uh, where the guys would set and zone set. Yeah. Uh, it was more like a zone. They had to take two. They had to have kind of a take two mentality. Right. And I had seen that before and I knew that, but most of the league was not doing that. Right. Really at that time you had a couple of teams that were still using the tight formation and, you know, they just wouldn't block the end man on the line and the center didn't have to protect, but the league in general and in majority, the center was blocking and, it wasn't going to be long, whether it was with the Steelers or somebody else, somebody was going to actually block. So right. that was just a, a part of the profession that you needed to transgress to. So it was, it was an easy, it was an easy call for me to do that. Cause uh, it really kind of wasn't my opinion. You know, it was, it, it, it kind of was my opinion, but it was more fact than opinion. Because right. From that point on everywhere you went, I bet you had to block, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, and, you know, you know, to go on down the line a little bit, you you left to go to New Orleans and then I ended up following after that, uh, after the training camp. And so we we spent six years together. Yeah, but, uh, I will say this. You mentioned that you didn't talk a, a whole bunch to your players about the personal things uh, to a degree. But I will say this and I don't know if you remember, but, you know, both my kids were born in New Orleans and both my kids were in I were at. Uh, NICU at birth and had multiple surgeries. And so I do remember, you know, discussing these things, some of these things with you and nobody else uh, coach wise, because I just didn't have that relationship with them. And, and I, I think, you know, perhaps that's one of the things that, that really led to a pretty productive career as well. Um, you know, backing up a little bit, you you've had some re unique relationships with some players who who've done. I you know I remember joking with you a little bit of, you know you coached Deion Sanders and it's not like he couldn't run and that like he didn't have some confidence and and I, I think we when we we played them in the Super Bowl you told me some stories of just how you two could kind of rib each other a little bit and have a good time and uh, I think back then that might have been a little bit unique even though I don't think it should be. Well, the unique thing about Dion and. Uh... And he is a unique guy, mm -hmm. and, you know, I mean, he's got a presence, you know, he's, he's Dion. I mean, he's prime time. Yeah. But I remember one of the, one of the things, and I used to tell a lot of the teams this because he was, he's kind of a bigger life, bigger than life person in right. the NFL. And uh, if a player, like if I said, you know, come to my office, I need to talk to you. And I would have to go chase him down. I would say, you know what, uh, you know, you know, this guy named Deion Sanders, of course, they would know who he is. I said, the first time I ever uh, was was an NFL coach, I was I was a rookie coach and he'd only been in the league one year, but he could have been in 50 years with the prominence he had in the Falcon Order. I, you know, I wanted to talk to him one on one. I, I said, you know, after practice, come up into my office. I want to I want to speak with you. And when I got up to my office, he was already waiting for me. And he was a yes, sir. You know, he I, he was a yes, sir, no, sir. I mean, uh, his mother and father raised him well. I mean, he was he never cussed or anything, never drank and none of that stuff. So he's a little different than people perceive. And uh, it kind of started where he said, he said, look, he said, if you get, get these guys to block for me, he said, I'm going to make you a household name. 
And I just sat there. I went, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm going I'm to run back enough kicks. <clears throat> You're going to be a famous NFL coach. Hey, he told me that. My very first. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you know what? He kind of did. Because in Atlanta, we were, you know, we were really good. And yeah. Was, a lot was because of him. Maybe all, not all because of him. We had a lot of good players. And, uh, I, you know, we had our ups and downs, too. I mean, you know, he would, uh, uh, you know, ribbing, ribbing type things. But I remember one, yeah. Thanksgiving, one Thanksgiving day, you know, you practice early in the morning. And we got out there. We got out there quick. And uh, we were going to, you know, we didn't have a chance to catch punts. And uh, so I said, after practice, you know, we're going to catch punts. And uh, so he went in and I had, I had to go get him. And he was, he was, man, he was complaining. He wasn't cussing because he doesn't cuss. At least he didn't then. And he was, man, it's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. And uh, I said, you know, I, I don't care. So anyway, then I ended up finding him for being late. And he said, you know, I can't believe it was Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving. And then, you know, a little time after that, he would always be, he'd be out, he'd always be out there early and be out there right. one, one time for everything. And he'd always go, if it ain't Thanksgiving, you know, I'm going to be here. So there was, <laughs> there was some things in there that he was, you know, because he's a funny guy now. <laughs> He's a funny guy. I mean, he's and he's boy. He's done a great job of coaching. Yeah. Golly, I mean, he's just been successful in everything. You know, with the commercials, with the, the broadcasting, he's just a successful guy. And uh, man, I'm real happy for him. Well, you know, you know, I, I think your guy, like like with Dion, you know, because of his persona, like, like you mentioned, that bigger than life type thing. You know, you you tend to think people like that really don't listen and watch. But he's listening and watching. He he's around a lot of good coaches, right? He wanted to yep. be a head coach, so he was absorbing. When he people didn't think he was absorbing and watching, he was absorbing and when he was watching and yeah. uh, preparing himself for for his opportunities. Because you're right, I mean, everything every, everywhere he's gone, he, he's been successful. Everything he does, yeah, yeah. Everything no he does. You know, the amazing thing about him, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, they see just they just see the talent yeah. because it's it, it's so rare. Um, but he is really competitive. I mean, he, you know, he did not want to make a fair catch. He did not want to take a touchback. I'll guarantee you when he was playing for the Braves and you know, that one, one of those years when I was coaching, he played both. Uh, I remember him flying in for, you know, one of the games, uh, in San Diego from playing in a baseball game the night before. And, uh, I'll wow. guarantee you, I wasn't around him in baseball. I went to a bunch of the games to watch him with the Braves but I guarantee you, if it was two outs and, and he was in the batter's box, he was dying for that guy to get on so he could get up to the plate. That's mm -hmm. just the kind of guy. He's competitive as hell. And, uh, boy, I'm just – I mean, his coaching career, what he's done at Jackson State is has really lit a fire, I know, in that community and across all of that SWAC conference, if it's still called a SWAC, I think it is um, – so he, he's doing some great stuff. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, he's, I, I will say this, um, uh, you know, he, uh, he's, he's definitely changed the game in recruiting, um, you know, because getting, 
you're getting some top kids that are, are, are that would normally be going to, you know, power fives and they're going to go play for him at Jackson State and Swag and, and, you know, an HBCU conference type football. So, so he's doing a great, but again, that's a testament to you. I mean, think about that. You get ready. You guys are playing the game. This guy's got to fly in and, and play the next day in the NFL. I mean, sometimes without a whole bunch of preparation between the time he lands and the time he gets up in the morning, right? And, oh, and, exactly. And, and your your special teams, everybody else got to kind of work around it. So, uh, but again, that's a testament to you because a lot of coaches couldn't handle that, you know, to be quite honest. Um, you know. Well, he was – people always – but he was really easy to work with because he was always punctual. He was always uh, respectful. And, um, you know, and of course, his talent, I mean, his talent was what his talent is. But he's got those other attributes, too, that kind of get lost in the shuffle when one stands out so much like his talent does. Well, I hope some of our younger listeners who are, you know, five-star uh, Kendall are listening to this, right? Yeah. Coaches, coaches giving him some some backdrop on, on a 10-star, right? So – um, you know, that he's humble, he works hard, he's respectful, and he shows up, and he performs. Yeah, that was the point I always tried to make to a guy that wasn't punctual. Yeah. You know, that, hey, wait a second, you know, this guy is is who he is, and he could still do all those other things because he was doing it right. Can't you do the, just do the right things? Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty simple question to ask a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No doubt. Can't, can't you just do it right? Right. Well, that was one of that was one of Coach Vermeil's um, mantras. Just just do the right things right. Just yeah. Just, yeah. You just do yeah, the right you things have control, right. You have control of certain things. When you're competing, right. you know the one thing you have control of is, is your effort and your attitude. Correct. You may not be able to tackle a guy in space. Right. You may not be able to get the perfect snap every time. You may not get the perfect punt every time. Uh, you may get tackled in space. You don't always control that because you're against the competition. But you can control your effort and your attitude. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. You have complete control of that. So, Bobby, let me ask you. This kind of goes with this a little bit. You coached 25 years. Your special teams coach th- that whole time. You were uh, the assistant head coach. I forget. Uh, at which place, but I, I know from Buffalo. Okay. And I know from talking to you, I mean, that was certainly something you said it earlier on today, but that was something that you wanted. It didn't come. Um, I, I think the NFL is starting to understand that the special teams coaches uh, ha- have a place as being a head coach at some point in time. I, I would argue just as much if, if not more because of the fact of how they deal with the whole team all the time. But can you talk about how that was for you? Because I'm sure there were times where you thought maybe you were going to have a chance somewhere, maybe you interviewed for some jobs. I don't know. But uh, for, for whatever reason, that didn't happen. How, how did you deal with that? And and was it difficult or was it just a mentality of, of just, you know, just, you know, pounding the rock? Well, it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, uh, I thought a couple of times I, I would be the head coach. Uh-huh. And um, I, you know, I don't know if that was just me and my mother's opinion, uh, but, right, I, you know, I, 
for whatever reason, and and probably lack of ability again. I didn't get it because of lack of ability, lack of whatever. Uh, and so it was a real disappointment. And I knew I just, you know, uh, I come from a little bit of a, you know, an, uh, an underdog mentality. Uh, uh-huh. You know, I had walked on in college and none of the coaches I played for in college coached very much past the years I was in college. So I didn't have a lot of contacts. And uh, so I had to grind, you know, and, and I, I love my pedigree because I started in high school. Yeah. And to be able to go from, you know, cutting the grass to lining the fields to taping the ankles, uh, teaching history to being a GA, to being the youngest guy on the staff, Mm -hmm. uh, to then getting to the NFL. Um, you know, I mean, being at, you know, some of the play, I mean, how fortunate can a guy, just a regular guy from Chalmette, Louisiana, coaching at USC and Ohio state. I mean, come on, you got it. Are you crazy? That's like, uh, I mean, and then the coach in in the NFL (laughs) all those years. So I, I, you know, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't stop pounding the rock. Right. Well, that was evident. I had, I had, I had a grunt through it a few, a few days, you know, right. Uh, to get back to normal. So yeah, it hurt. It hurt. But only I guess it hurt because, uh, I, you know, I, I, in my mind, I'd really worked hard for it and studied right. hard for it and did my homework. And, uh, but the, but the owners didn't see it that way. And, um, and, and they have every prerogative and they have every wisdom on what they need to do for their program. So I, and I was able to accept that. Uh, but, but, but yes, it was hard. Yeah. It yeah. Was. So I, I, I think, I this is, like I said, I, yeah. I had trained for it as a special teams coach while I was doing special teams work. In right. My, my mind, in my mind, I was daily training to be the head coach. And I had, you know, I had a lot of years of that training. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is a good lesson really in the team. fact of not letting something eat you up. I mean, clearly you're okay with that, the things now and you're at peace and enjoying retirement and whatever. And oh, yeah, that was a dream sure. that would have happened. And I think that's something that is important is sometimes things just don't go our way. And correct. Um, I mean, if you stay mad at it and you're resentful, I mean, that's like, you know, drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. It just doesn't work that way. And, right. and I think that's a great lesson. You were going to say something, Lamont? I'm sorry. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, there's a couple of things. And, you know, I, I look at my career and I, you know, I came into the NFL want, from, from being a college coach um, and wanting to, you know, become a general manager. And, you know, and, you know, it was a, a good path, a chief, you know, and I thought that was going to happen. And then player programs, player development started. And God had something different. So now I'm throwing, I'm, I'm giving give a program to kind of try to develop. And who thought that something that was a 12-minute uh, VHS tape given to me by somebody to watch would turn into a 24-year career in National Football League? I mean, you know, I could have been a GM for one year, two years, and got fired and been out, right? You know, you, Coach April, you look at your career, it's like, okay, I could have been a head coach for two or three years, right? And then now... My, my, I'm out of the league, you know, for after five years, 
And you've been in this thing yeah. over 25 years. So, you know, I think, you know, there's, there's a, you know, I think we're all placed in this league. Um, we, we should strive for whatever it is, GM, head coach, whatever you want to do, you want to get to. But I think what we, and what you've done coach is you didn't miss what was in front of you. What was in front of you were these young men what was in front of you were, you were part of a team. You had, you know, 16 targets, right? 17 targets, right. That we had to get to. And along the way, and like Kendall said, you were able to kind of like, um, uh, and you said, you know, I, you controlled your attitude. So when no came, you had a choice, right? Yeah. Yeah. You your attitude, and then you control your effort. You could have been like, okay, I can do this and just do it with my eyes closed or, I can do it with a level of excellence, right? And I think that's where I think that when, when guys that played for you could see that, right? Yeah, um, yeah I, I think it has a lot to do with with gratitude, and I think mm -hmm. you know there's yeah. you know there's there's important figures in your life, and and a father is one of them, and um, you know it, it, if at any time I would have complained or been bitter about <clears throat> my job. <laughs> or my career, uh, my father passed away in 2001, but, uh, you know, I would have gotten, uh, a very, very stern confrontation from him. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, to our listeners that are listening, I, I, I hope that until we get Bobby back, um, um, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you're listening to experience uh, that you can bring, you can uh, apply to your life because I'm sure all of you, so all of us are dealing with something or not getting something that we want, right? Right. Uh, uh, not attaining. And we, it's so easy to blame somebody else for it not happening. Right. Well, I, I think also, and he impressed upon uh, me this uh, when I was in New Orleans because there were some coaches there that I played for that I dealt with on the assistant uh, side of things that, I mean, I'll just be plain and simple, could not stand them. I didn't think they were good people, mm -hmm. and it, it caused me literally to think about retiring. That's how much – how irritated I was. And, and I was able to talk with Bobby about that some openly and know that he wasn't going to – go tell people. And he kind of really helped save me from that, which is a, which is a huge deal. I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, Bobby's not the first 
coach and especially special teams coach in the league who's very accomplished who didn't get a chance to be a head coach nor will he be the last i mean this is this is one of those last bastions that i think is going to get uh, go, uh, uh get uh, uh figured out i think coach Emil shared you know uh, uh, maybe people don't know that he was the actual first special teams coach in national football that was yeah. how he it. it came from high school he's like and as a matter of fact wasn't that crazy he had members of his high school football team at the Hall of Fame. I mean, folks, can you believe he had members of his high school football team, Millsdale High School, there at the Hall of Fame. And like you said, he told it he got his first shot at, uh, uh, in the NFL as a special teams coach when the league didn't know what that was. <laughs> yeah, that was with uh, George Allen. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. As a head coach? Well, and yeah. he, I, you know, something that really – uh, stuck out to me. Not that the other recipients didn't uh, thank people, but that's basically all Coach Vermeil did. And of course, we're going to talk about that, talk to him in our next episode. But that's all he really did was thank people uh, for the difference that they made in his life, and understand that without their their help or without players playing well and having a big game in the Rose Bowl, as he put it, none of that would have been possible. I right. think that's. I, I, I think that's huge when we realize that we do nothing alone. Um, we absolutely do nothing alone. And I think I think that lit what Bobby said. It, it was that gratitude, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Here through Coach April, and it's it's this gratitude. It's just you know staying with gratitude, and you know when you're grateful, you're thankful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it's impossible to be. To, to be grateful and bitter at the same time. You can only yeah, be one or are, the other. Right. Coach, did we get you back? I hope so. I don't know yeah. what happened. There you go. Oh, we got you. Hey, uh, technology's not perfect. Well, no, I, I don't think it's on your end. Uh, I, I think we're having some – we've been having a lot of thunderstorms here, and maybe gotcha. somewhere in the weather, in the clouds, or, or something may have happened. Uh, well, I can tell you yeah, I don't I, miss any of that humidity down there, that's for sure. Uh, well, you know we have it. Uh, I know. But like I said, I think I, I, I think the 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 gratitude part was taught to me by my father, yeah, and uh, and uh, and so I was very grateful, and that that was a a key asset to have when you're well in anything, <laughs> you know, right? In, yeah. any, any endeavor in life, if you have that, you've got a commodity that uh, is is precious. Yeah. And so coach um, Lamont and I talked about this uh, earlier on, but we're curious your thoughts. I mean, you were in those meetings for training camp, you know, we like to talk about what the players are going through right now and it's, it's camp, which is just, it's, it's no fun. I don't care how much you love football in my mind. It's just not the greatest and it's stressful because there's 90 guys there and only 53 uh, are, are going to make it through. Um, can you talk, uh, you know, without names, but can you talk about, you know, some of the, the things you were in as far as how heated the, those meetings may get in terms of dealing with the players that are going to make the team and how important special teams is in that equation? <laughs> That's a really good question because uh, for, for in only the last, I don't know, four or five years of my career, I had an assistant. So I spoke as a lone entity yeah. for that area. And uh, probably, probably came off 
looking really, really selfish to many of my coaching comrades because I was fighting for that area. And in most cases, you know, I was outnumbered, you know, five right. to one on the five one defense. And, you know, so uh, if there were people that I really wanted, but they didn't, um, I would try to make a convincing argument to the head coach, the general manager, uh, about why this person was important. And I would, you know, probably sometimes uh, might not be as diplomatic as I should. But, <laughs> but, but at the same time, if I didn't fight for that player, that I felt was right to make a difference. And, and, and again, I wasn't, if I was fighting for, I hope I didn't mess up by moving this phone. If I no, was fighting fine. for a player, if I was fighting for a player, let's say at uh, cornerback, I wasn't saying, you know, let's keep this player and cut Rod Woodson. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to uh, just destroy the whole team. I was talking about maybe with the sixth corner or the fifth corner. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where, you know, or, or the, or the, the, the fifth receiver. I wasn't looking to get rid of, uh, you know, Terrell Owens. Right. I mean, I, you know, but as a, as a head know, coach, let's, that's let's what get you rid of this guy. I don't want this, uh, you know, this guy, I want this guy. He's going to be, it wasn't one of those. I mean, it was, one of those where this guy for me was going to play 20, 25 plays in 20, 25 productive plays. And how many is he going to play on offense? Yeah. As a head coach, you want somebody who's going to get on the table for their guys, right? You don't want somebody that's just going to go along with it. And, and, and I, I remember you telling me a few stories that you did that. I think, you know, it's interesting, you know, in this day and age, uh, and of course, us being in Kansas City, Coach Reed, you know, the one thing he gives uh, Dave Tobe, who is the assistant head coach, by the way, as a special teams coach, he gives him two players that basically, for the most part, he, he can pick. He's going to get a couple players that he thinks are four core, and, and no matter what, they're going to figure it out. And I'm guessing that would have been a luxury for you had you had that your entire career. I never had that ever in my yeah. career. I right. wish I would have a couple times when I had leverage. I wish I would have put that in my contract. Uh, <laughs> I really do. I really think about because some places I had tremendous leverage, and I didn't. Um, but I never had that, and that is uh, that you know that is a great way to do it, and um, it's just very successful way to do it. Well, with the the main talking to coaches now, talking to coaches that are in your audience uh, at any level, the biggest way to sabotage special teams is, you know, there's an old axiom, you know, you got to make it on special teams before you make it. Right. To have the very best special teams player, your top performer that you're giving accolades to, that you're saying great things about and, you're using as an example, the, the the biggest way to sabotage special teams is then when that player gets cut. Right. Because you have said, and the head coach has said over and over that 
that statement. You know, you're going to make it on special teams. If, if you can right. make it on special and then when they cut that guy, who that is, that is really a blow to the special teams area. Uh, I got to a point where later in my career, I would ask the head coach, unless we really mean this, please do not say it. Because. Interesting. Have, oh, well, I mean. Yeah, no, it's, it's the truth. It makes sense. They're just going to sabotage you. Yeah. They're going to say, look. This guy's our best. I mean, because they can see it. Uh, right. Did we lose Lamont by any chance, or did I? Yeah, we did. But we, yeah, we'll get him back. He'll, okay. He'll, but uh, he you know, back. you know what I'm saying, Kendall. If if a guy, you know, oh, if, yeah. Yancey, if Yancey Figpen is outperforming everybody in training camp, right? Every Steeler could see that. Yep. Okay. I mean, so it's and and if if. You know, the head coach is saying over and over that you guys that are, you know, down the line in, 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 at your position, you're going to yeah. make it by, by how you perform. And then you cut that guy. Now, that didn't happen with Yancey. But, well, no. But, you know, Yancey wasn't when – we, when we were together at Pittsburgh, he wasn't the receiver he turned out to be. Right. He was a special teamer. An incredibly gifted athlete, too. I mean, oh, as, I mean, unbelievable. One of the best I've ever been around. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So uh, that's a that's a you know that that's a tough deal. Don't don't tell a guy you can make it on this, and then he's your top performer, and then cut. Well, it undermines your authority and and the trust that players have, and you, and ultimately even the head coach. I would think. Oh, it definitely undermines uh, er everything you said. And, and you're, yeah. you're trying to you're trying to regain and trying to motivate them after they know you're you, they know you're not as serious about it. So why should they be? Yeah, we got you back, Lamont. Yeah, that was it was a bizarre tech. It happens to everybody. So I can't explain it. Only Tucker All good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. So like, I know we're getting towards the end, Bobby, but I'm curious. And I'm sure Lamont will have a question as well. But you, 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 you coached with a lot of legendary coaches. Can you put your finger on just one who really stands out, and then maybe tell us why? I'm gonna have to express my Miranda rights. Uh, <laughs> okay. Because what I uh, say in Duke can definitely be used against me by the other. 10 coaches that I coached with. Well uh, understood. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, if I said, if I didn't say Bill Cowher or Andy Reid or somebody, then Bill Cowher or Andy Reid would be very mad at me. Uh, <laughs> so hence, hence the Miranda right. I will say this though. Let me qualify it. Let me qualify it this way. Uh, the guy that had the most impact on me because they, they Look, I mean, I just named two guys that are yeah. already in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Coach Reed is going to be. Correct. Right. And and for you two guys, I'm so happy Coach Vermeil was in the Hall of Fame. I did not coach with Coach Vermeil, but I do know him. I got to know him when he was, uh, you know, a college uh, commentator for ABC. Yep. And he did a ton of our games, and he would meet with us and – that guy is a great ambassador for football. Yeah. Yes, sir. The, the person and the coach that he is. 
Now, that's a great way to get out of answering your question. However, the guy, I, I won't say the guy that was the best or anything like that. Maybe you didn't phrase it that way. But the guy, it's raining on me right now. So I'm, I'm moving. I hope this doesn't screw everything up. I told All you good. We're fine. Weather. Um, the guy that had the most impact on me was uh, Jerry Glanville. And the reason I say Jerry Glanville was because I came into the league uh, I, I said as a special, as a special teams coach, right? Uh, but I had been trained on, on defense primarily. And uh, he really, he really did a great job of training me and helping me. Uh, and there's another coach that had a tremendous impact that actually got me into the league and got me the job. And Lamont, uh, you know this young man, Keith Rowan. Absolutely. And his dad, Vic Rowan. And he's, um, my, he's my lead mentor. I coached and played for him. Yeah, he's a Coach Rowan was tremendous. Uh -huh. um, and, and, and anyway, those two guys, I mean, I was a flat novice at, at special teams. I mean, I, I, I coached one of the areas and that type of thing. But, I, I, you know, I didn't know all the nuances of coaching it. But those two guys, and they had other critical areas. Obviously, Jerry Clamble was the head coach. He didn't need to be spending that kind of time with me. And Keith Rowan was the uh, offensive line coach. He didn't need to be spending that kind of time with me. But I say those two guys were very instrumental in my career because, you know, when you first come in, if you, when you first come in and when you get past 60, if you have a couple of years that are bombs, it's adios amigos. You 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 probably aren't going to get into the league if your first couple of years are really bad. Mm -hmm. And if your last couple of years are really bad, you're not going to get back. Uh, at least that's the way, not scientifically, but that's the way I kind of remember seeing it through experience. Mm -hmm. So without those two guys helping me, uh, without those two guys helping me like they did, uh, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have survived, uh, very long. Cause I, I didn't have enough knowledge. I didn't have enough expertise. I knew how to coach. I, I, I knew how to, I knew football, but I didn't know really how to organize, how, where to put players. Uh, even the NFL schemes, you know, was, was, was somewhat foreign to me. So, coach, here we go. So, I got one for you. This should be fun. So, how many, how many, how many pro football stops have you been to? How many teams? Nine. Nine. Okay. One player at each team that was, and it, it doesn't have to be the most talented guy, but your best special teams player at each place. That you, that was your guy. That was your. You can say, "Wow." One player each team. Okay. Um, all right. Atlanta Falcons. Albert Shelley. Okay. Okay. Pittsburgh Steelers. Kendall Gammon. Oh, here we go. There we go. Checks in, checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. I was worried I wasn't going to get it, but now I'm, I, I know I'm getting it now. Uh, St. Louis Rams, Jeff Wilkins. Mm-hmm. New Orleans Saints, Norm Johnson. 
Wow. I'm sorry, not not Norm Johnson. Excuse me. Not Norm Johnson. I was about to say for the Steelers, and then I remembered about the check with Kendall. New Orleans State Saints, uh, Doug Bryan, kicker. Mm-hmm. St. Louis Rams, Jeff Wilkins, kicker. Mm-hmm. Um, Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, boy. We had a... Uh, hmm. Let me think about this. There was a okay. couple of close. There's a couple of close guys there. Uh, who? I, I, we don't want dead time on the radio. All right. Uh, you're gonna have to put a place in <laughs> next there. Next team. Next team. All right. Oakland Raiders. I got to say Taiwan Jones. Taiwan Jones. Yeah. Right? I mean, you would agree with that, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, New York. New York Jets. Give me a pass on that one. Got your pass. You pass anytime you like. I got a pass on that one. And, uh, you know, did I I didn't say Buffalo, did I? You no. did not. Blake Costanzo. Okay. Blake Costanzo. Do you guys remember him? I remember the name. He was a he was a, a really, really uh just outstanding player. Uh, let me go back to the Eagles. I got to. I got to say, there's a couple of guys here in there. I got to say, Dave Atkins. Dave. Uh, Dave Atkins, the kicker. Okay. Oh, okay. I got to go. I got to go with. Oh, him. Dave Akers. Uh, and then. Uh, yep. At Tennessee. At Tennessee. Uh, I love doing this to coaches, Coach April. I love Boy, it. Boy, you know, because there's a lot. If I say this, you know, I, there might be somebody out there in the audience. So I got to make sure the guy was. There's not too many. There's not too many ties in there, you know. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna just say a tie on on uh, Tennessee. Okay. High on Tennessee. I can't. I can't put one guy over another there. Well, we just well, want to make sure, hey, Kendall, we wanted to make sure since since you used the Miranda rights on the coaches one, we wanted to make sure that we got you with your players. Boy, I really I wanted to use it again, but I don't think you can use it on two. Well, he's, he's thinking like these, these these end of the hour questions are tough, and we we didn't give him uh, due diligence on this before. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's not that they're tough. It's just that anytime you compare, right? You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna exalt one, and you might insult a hundred. I mean, you might insult a hundred. So, <laughs> I would have a theory of doing it. But for you guys, hey, I walked the plank. 
Right, we appreciate it. Hey, Bobby, I know it's time to let you go and appreciate you uh, taking the time. But from from my standpoint, obviously, playing for you for six years, you made a big difference in my life, not just on the field, but I think more importantly off. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you thank you. And I know our listeners had a great time. And, and I'll let uh, Lamont say something as well. Coach April, it was it was a pleasure. Hey, and I know in Atlanta, I thought you'd say Dion, but that's okay. But um, uh, well, <laughs> let, let me say that. Let me say this. It could it could vary. Now, that's that's what I mean. And and, and you know what, Dion might be mad because I, I will I will pump, I, I will hit my own horn here for a second. I was shocked and amazed in Dion's speech. Although he thanked a lot of people, he thanked me. So I might get a call from him and That's say, okay. you son of a gun. I gave you praise. And then on the show, you named Albert Shelley. That's but Albert, okay. Shelley was a, Albert Shelley was a great player there. That's, that's his, name okay. may, his name may not be household, but he was great. I'm going to okay. let you guys go. I know you got a time, time clock. I just, want to, I just want to say thank you for the time we got a chance to spend in Oakland. It, it was a real – it made a difference for sure. Um, and, and I watched – I got a chance to watch you work and change lives and uh, you impacted mine. So um, I really want to thank you. And I was glad that I'm glad you were able to uh, be on our show for us. Well, to both of you, uh, you're real pros and that's the highest compliment I can ever give a guy in any profession. And you both are and above and beyond that character wise, uh, you're exemplary. And I'm very thankful to be on. I hope some young man has gained from your podcast, and uh, I wish you guys peace and happiness always. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right there, uh, Bobby. I mean, not many guys coach 25 years in the league, Lamont. I know you know that just as well as I do, and um, he was a difference maker. He he was very well respected, still is, quite honestly. And uh, one thing we didn't talk about was probably either before or after he's going to go and get some pickleball on in because I've talked to him, and that's – one of his his passions now. Okay. Well, you know, Kendall, that's right. I, you know, I think you know. You just look at just the question whether it pulls me in about you know the coach, the, the, the coach that was the most impactful, or or the players. I mean, you you know, you it's so hard because you know, and, and you know, especially with players, they're not household names. But but for that that gentleman, he was able to build his special teams around those particular individuals. Those were his what they call Kindle core guys. Like those yeah. are, are like legitimate core guys. Right. And, and, and to those guys credit, they end up having four five, six year careers. That's a good career in national football. League. Yeah. And, and I, I thought it was very telling. I mean, there was a lot of information in there, but just, uh, I think it was really good for people to hear how Dion was with him. And yeah. it's nice when you hear about somebody who is, as he said, kind of larger than life, a little bit larger than the game at times, Yet it appears uh, from what he told us, and I'd heard this before, that Dion just didn't take anything for granted and that he was unbelievably competitive. And I think no matter what you do in life, if, if you can do that, you've got a chance. And uh, he, that's a nice lesson to learn, no doubt. You know, and what, yeah, and I, and I would say this, you know, I, I, you know to, to all of the young athletes that are listening out there, male and female, you know, one of the things Coach April, April said was this respect thing. So, so Dion respected coaches, regardless of his respect the coaches. Thus, his career is in coaching, right? So, yeah. so, 
So, you know, the, never sell uh, 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 young young listeners uh, that they'll never sell that respect level thing too too cheap because coaches, that, that's the that's relationships. And those coaches are the ones that help you ascend uh, in your careers. So it was great to have Coach April. He is a fantastic human being and a, and a tremendous team coach, man, for sure. Absolutely. Well, again, as always, a great time. He is Lamont Winston, the OG of player development in the NFL. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Lamont Winston, A-L-M-O-N-T-E, Winston. And then, Or if you want to give me a follow, at Kendall Gammon. Love to hear anything you have to say about the show or anything in general or some people you think you'd like to have on. We'd love to hear about it. Hear about it. We're going to have one Hall of Famer on the next time is Coach Dick Vermeil. You and I were at his induction ceremonies. Uh, we talked about it briefly today, but we'll talk about that in more depth in our next episode, and we'll have uh, Dick Vermeil himself on, so it should be great. As always, Lamont, uh, pleasure being associated with you. I appreciate you slumming with me, and it was a great time. We always have fun on Beyond the Game. Bye-bye now. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.